Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. Welcome. Welcome to the haunted estate. Hello and welcome back to the Haunted State. Here with your host, it's me, it's your girl, it's Selena, and I have had quite a life in the past however long we've talked. I know there was an episode last week, it was a rerun. I had an incredible opportunity to go to New York. It was the first time kind of getting out into the world ever since COVID, and I had some really cool opportunities. Um, but unfortunately, when I came back, it was it was made very clear to me by my dog that it was... It was time for him to go. I hate this. I feel like both times that I've talked to you guys, it's it's strictly just been to tell you that um one of my pets have died. Um, and to me, they're they're not just pets. They're they're family. As you guys know, Adam and I can't have children, so they really they really are our children, and we love them like that, and we we care about them like that. So losing Max was hard. He was my my first personal dog myself, um, and he's he's been here as long as we've been here. It was just, it was wild. Like three days after we moved in, Max came and he has just been our little boy forever. And after I left for New York, Adam made sure like, I guess he went downhill a lot. Ever since Jackson died, he really loved Jackson. He just wasn't doing well. His back end was going. He couldn't, you know, hold his, his bodily fluids and, and, um, he got very neurotic. He didn't sleep anymore. He just kind of did circles and it was really hard to see him. So when we came back, it was, it was pretty clear. And um, when we went to the vet, actually the vet said that his heart was really wonky. So he was kind of out on his own, but it's so hard to see them put down with, with Jackson. He was, he was really chill. He just kind of like went super peacefully. Max wasn't exactly the same. He really fought the sedation and he, he, it was so hard cause he doesn't know what's going on. Right. But you know what's going on. And the vet was amazing. Oh my gosh. Was she amazing? I, I've never felt such like a good experience. Like you're talking about putting your dog down, but I've never had such a good experience. Like she talked about her dog and how good Max was. And after Max passed away, she gave him a kiss and she told him about how she knows how much we love our dogs. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. Um, but it was crazy to start. Oh, the, 
just an uncomfy moment happens this vet tech had come in and she was looking at me weird and she's like this might be wildly unprofessional and i'm like right then stop right then it's like no you're done you're done stop if you have to say that don't say it i'm sitting on the floor bawling my eyes out with my half dead dog don't fucking do it <laughs> are you the girl who does the sleepwalking videos it's like yeah i'm not gonna fucking do this right now so i'm just like yes but it was overall it was a really great experience um they know me there which is fantastic um they had a they had a twilight blanket down on the ground which was just like the sweetest thing in the world and um dr shauna just made it as good as it could like it was such a i don't want to say a good moment but like if you think of putting them down like you it's kind of like a dark thing to think about but it really was the best that it could have been but i'm gonna be honest with you guys i'm i'm running on zero um my trip to new york was so fucking cool actually podcast came out on tuesday you're listening to this on thursday on tuesday um uncut brie at barstool sports so uncut uh, unplanned wait plan brie uncut by barstool sports that is the podcast we talked about me which was really cool it's it was weird kind of not to be the host and kind of just answer questions and stuff like that not have to plan anything and she was so cool and i finally got to meet grace o'malley and she's incredible um she just got a job there at barstool and just seeing people in real life is really nice again so in new york we did that podcast and then i was a presenter at an award at the synopsis d awards and it went so cool and i made a lot of connections and i just got to kind of see the world of new york and feel what it's like to be out in the world and you know steal the pigeons i didn't sneak any home on my luggage or anything like that because we all know that i love myself some birds um but yeah it's been a while a few weeks i feel like i i haven't had time to process jackson's death and then we lost max and now one of our birds is doing very well so it's just like death can you choose a different fucking door can you please piss off because uh we all know what happened with my dad too oh my gosh do i have anything good to tell you yes new york was amazing along with that if you're hearing this right now on thursday friday my new palette is coming out guys it is the selena spooky boo too it is such a cool palette guys you honestly the selena spooky boo palette has always been my most popular we've sold more of those than anything else and it's kind of like um memoriam of all the wonderful things of the year that it happened so it has names like sleepwalking farts forever izzy hi i'm joel all of the olan sodas from sleepwalking so you literally have all of um those and it's a really pretty palette i'm actually wearing hi i'm joel on my face today um i'm looking a little rough it's been probably one of the busiest days of my life i feel like i'm just rushing 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 to get to a point where i can just take a couple days lay in bed ball my eyes out eat a bunch of food have a bubble bath not answer the phone not look at my text and just die for like a little bit not forever just just like a little break because i'm on nothing and that's the thing with the social media world like you got to keep up with it you sign contracts you have to get these things done and that's fine but today i thought it's kind of a treat for me because i can relax and not have to think too hard about it but it's also a treat for you guys as you guys know i have written my book hollow which yes do not worry it is going to be out in time for christmas guys i'm really excited i'm gonna get it out in this next hopefully week or two everything will be done and it will be your christmas read for this season i'm honestly thinking about kind of like doing a little touch in there somewhere where we're like getting close to christmas i don't even know but yeah i'm I'm in my final rewrites and my final edits and stuff like that so i want to get that up i'm hoping that you guys will absolutely love it but so before i read you guys chapter one right 
But to kind of set up the story, you need the prologue. And the prologue is really long and it's back in time. So the story is set in present day, but you have to hear the prologue to understand. So I thought, hey, why not tickle your balls? Why not tease you with the prologue? Why not read you this prologue? So that's what I'm going to do for you guys today. I'm going to read you the prologue. We're going to chill, be quick, easy, seductive, luscious, and I hope that you love it. So let's jump into that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. I can't believe that we're coming up on a whole entire year of when I started writing this. I remember it was actually like December 4th or something like that when I went to the hotel and I, I mapped out the whole place. And it's funny because that hotel actually ended up being a place in the book, which is <laughs> interesting. But yeah, the prologue, it's set in present day. The whole book is set in present day, but it's very key characters that are in the prologue that you need to know. So I haven't read something out loud in a while, so I'm really going to fuck up a little bit, but it's just what it is and who it is. But I think you're gonna like it. <clears throat> get your reading in, bitch. <clears throat> Do you ever get just like jacked up? Okay. <clears throat> 1725, prologue. The air had never been colder than it was that winter. It was preceded by the hottest summer the quaint village of Black Creek had ever witnessed. Even the elders had never experienced heat like they saw that year. The trees around the small village wilted under the weight of the sun. The wooden veins of the soft maples were brittle to the touch. For the first time in forty-two years since the founding of Black Creek, the creek that the community was named after ran dry. Then, in July, the beloved town priest became delusional with disease of the mind. The local healer and doctor said that he'd have more time. But the heat seeped in and dried up his head, just like the river. He called out late into the darkness of the nights and into the wee mornings. 
He cursed the God that he had so faithfully worshipped and preached about his entire life. Somehow, the only thing he had ever believed in brought him no peace in his last moments. When the ladies who cared for him were not taking turns at his bedside, he screamed hate-filled sentences at the top of his lungs. His breath escaping as if fire from the heat of the day had built up inside him. He had been at the births of the village's children. The mothers he had tended now dabbed tepid cloths at his brow, silently reflecting on how this man, who now ranted and raved, had blessed their babies with the Lord's Prayer and had made gentle little crosses on their soft newborn foreheads. In August, he hung naked out of the window of his small cabin, screaming at the sun, telling the town that they were cursed, that this was the end of days. At first, the people were scared of his warnings. They pulled back, shrinking against their walls, as if the mere closeness to his words would have made them true. But in the last two weeks of his life, people were laughing at the crazy old man down the street, as if his ramblings were entertainment. He passed away on the 20th of September. The next week, the heat broke. The villagers looked with despair at their meager harvest. There was not enough food to last till the end of the year, let alone the long winter. The dry summer had destroyed most of their crops and livestock. Any prosperity and supplies that had survived the drought were dwindling quickly. They rationed their food, even going without when they could stand it. New mothers found their milk running dry. The nights were full of the sounds of murmured prayers of relief to God himself and the ear-piercing sounds of a child's hunger pains. The villagers recalled the priest's words, but found no humor in them now. It truly did seem to be the end of days. In November, the cool weather rolled in, and so did a stranger. Eli Bellamy, who had been born and raised in Black Creek, stood deep in thought. His errand to buy what little grain he could was all but forgotten as he looked at the plain buildings where the villagers lived and worked. At this time of day, people should be milling around, bartering for goods, the street full of children dodging carts and horses and playing the same games he had when he was a child. Instead, the road was bare, except for a few miserable-looking folks who sat with their backs propped up against the walls of their dwellings, arms crossed deep in their own black thoughts. Life in the village had always been hard. When Eli was only three years old, his mother died, giving birth to her second child. The baby boy died as well. Stricken with grief, Matthew Bellamy spent more time lamenting his wife's death than paying attention to his only living child. Within weeks, his unmarried sister-in-law Agnes stepped in and took charge of her younger sister's child. Aunt Maggie was the closest thing Eli had to a mother. He spent more and more time in the rooms where she lived, behind her cheese shop. He spent hours with his aunt in the kitchen, helping make the cheeses she sold in the front of the shop, and listening to her gossip about the goings-on in town. Eli often spent the night with Aggie, as his father barely acknowledged his existence when he was home on the farm. He even looked forward to one day running the cheese shop himself. By the time Eli was twelve, Matthew had grown tired of his son spending more time in the shop than the fields. He put a stop to the visit with Aunt Aggie, though she continued to keep a close eye on Eli. 
When Eli was 18 years old, his life changed forever. Victor Martin returned to the village after having moved to the city and marrying Luck Sutton 20 years later. The Suttons arrived in town in a horse-drawn cart with their daughters, 16-year-old Eleonora and 12-year-old Jeanne. The entire family was dressed much more expensive clothing than the people of the village, and they brought with them jewelry and artwork, the likes of which had never been seen in Black Creek. Some people were wary of the, f of the family's wealth, but the Suttons moved in with the Martins in their simple old cottage and were kind and generous to their new neighbors. Soon, those who had felt intimidated welcomed them with open arms. Eleanor's skin was pale, and a light splatter of brown freckles graced her cheeks of her ever-smiling face. Her hair was copper, her eyes chestnut, her day dress a perfect pale yellow. It all blended neatly together like a painting. Eleanor, Eleanora carried her own hue that stood out against the dimness of the colors of the village. In fact, she associated specific colors with people she saw every day. Her parents were the blue of the skies, always watching over her and protecting her. The baker was white of the flour he turned into soft bread. Her little sister Jeanne was a soft, kind child. She was pink. The beloved village priest was a maroon, warm with the love he bestowed on his congregation, and the man on the edge of town who drank too much and beat his wife was the grayness of despair and misery. Whenever Eleonora strolled through the village, everyone around her shimmered with various colors. She never understood how others couldn't see the colors. She seemed to emanate from the people around her. She found herself quite enjoying life in the village. She'd grown close to Alice, a girl who lived next door, and spent every moment of free time in each other's company, sitting and chatting near the creek or helping each other with housework. Alice devised an ingenious way for the girls to say good morning and good night to each other. They each had brass, small, matching bells. She gave one to Eleonora, and Alice rang hers every morning, and Eleonora would answer with her own ring. They repeated the ritual every evening before blowing out the last candle. When she looked at Alice, Eleonora saw bright red. Her friend was feisty and full of love and passion. Everyone she loved collected in her mind, their colors representing flowers. She felt so blessed that her mind was always full of the bouquet of the ones who meant most to her. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Eli had been struck speechless the first time he laid eyes on the new girl. She graced him with her radiant smile whenever their, whenever their paths crossed. But, as she was usually in the company of her friend Alice, Eli found himself unable to respond. Instead, he peeked through windows and from behind trees just to watch her walk by and take in the soft melodies that she hummed as she strolled through the streets. 
he was not alone in his quiet observances. Eleonora had taken just as much notice of him as he had her. It had started one evening when she was walking to the butcher's to pay her family's weekly bill. Eli had walked past her with some friends on their way to the pub. He hadn't seen her, but she had noticed him immediately. His tall, muscular frame caught her eye. And when he laughed a deep, genuine laugh at something his friend had said, she knew he was the one for her. After that, he looked for her. After that, she looked for him whenever she could. She sat in the window, claiming that she needed a light to work on her embroidery. But in all actuality, she was waiting to see him walk past. At the fair that summer, she had snuck glances down the tables to see if she could observe him chatting confidently with the local boys. In the evening, she drew soft portraits of him by candlelight with her dull charcoal pencils. She'd ring her bell to say goodnight to Alice and then push the scraps of paper under her pillow. Eleonora would fall asleep, hoping her dreams would be full of images of Eli's face. Alice often teased her, asking if she had an eye on one of the village boys, but Eleonora always said no. Yet, when she looked at Eli, he shimmered with the yellow of the sun. Aunt Aggie was the one who finally got them to speak to each other. Aggie had seen her nephew blush every time the girl was in sight and observed Eleonora turn and watch him after he passed her on the street. She could not help but notice, despite their obvious attraction, neither had ever spoken to the other. She waited for the perfect opportunity to get them face to face. One afternoon, Eli stopped by the cheese shop to lend out a hand wrapping cheese wheels. Aggie was about to close up for the night when Eleonora walked past the window. Rushing into the kitchen, Aggie grabbed her nephew and babbled something about needing his help, then dragged her out of him out of the shop. The moment they were outside, she looked around frantically. Her quarry was only a short distance down the street. Eleonora! The words sounded sharp coming from Aggie's mouth. Eli watched in horror as the girl turned. See here, my boy has been watching you intently since you arrived. Eli tried to shrink from his aunt, but she held his wrist tightly. I have also seen you staring at him when he's not looking. Eleanor's eyes shot to the dirt road in embarrassment as curious onlookers began to gather, but Eggie wasn't done. It seems to me that neither of you knows what each other is doing, so I'm taking matters into my own hand. Eggie pushed Eli forward, a smile engulfing her entire face as she stuck back in triumph. Eli stumbled a bit, but righted himself a mere foot from Eleonora. To his surprise, her cheeks were as red as the harvest moon now, so much so that her freckles had all but disappeared into her blush. He cleared his throat. Hello, Eleonora. Hello, Eli. The girl bit her lip and then smiled. Ah! Eggie exclaimed, seeing the connection as their eyes met. She almost felt the pull, like two magnets drawing together. I need two pails of water from the well. You can fetch them for me. When neither moved, she gave Eli another push. And that was it. They married two summers later. Eleonora was the definition of perfection. She and her mother had dyed rolls of coffin a soft, buttery yellow for her wedding dress, and Jeanne wove a crown full of flowers. Eli stood with his father at the front of the church and watched his beautiful bride as she walked down the aisle. After the ceremony, they held a dinner in the field of wildflowers that lay just outside of town. There were blossoms that went as far as the eye could see, reminding one of the stories of that the elders told to the children. 
As the light faded from the sky and the tables were aglow with candlelight and lanterns, the scene looked almost magical. That was the greatest day of the couple's lives. In the two years that followed, only the happiness they would find would be in each other. At first, everything seemed to go well. Matthew was practically a new man. Eleonora's happy presence was a balm to him, and he began to let go of the anger and pain he had carried around for nearly twenty years. He relaxed and started showing real kindness towards Eli, and for the first time they exchanged pleasant words, and more, fr more frequently than angry ones. But two months after his son's marriage, Matthew complained of a pain in his shoulder, and then simply sat down in the field and died. Though Eli grieved, he knew that his parents were finally reunited, and that his father was at peace. He still couldn't help but feel that he had finally connected with his father, only to lose him. Not one year later, sweet Jeanne was playing in the streets when her friend, with her friends when a passing horse spooked and ran straight for the children. Jeanne was trampled, but somehow made it back home before collapsing. That day, she went into a sleep. Her breath was even, her heart still beat, but her eyes never fluttered. Eleonora spent every moment at her sister's side, smoothing her golden hair, dribbling water between the child's rosy lips. The village healer sprinkled some herbs around the bed and proclaimed there was nothing else to be done. The Suttons refused to give up. Leaving Eleonora to nurse Jeanne, they hitched up horses and took their cart to set out for a, a village that would be nine days to the west, where they had heard of someone, a real doctor, where they had lived, and they were determined to find the man and bring him back to tend to their youngest child. Three days later, while Eleonora slept, mere feet away, Jeanne quietly drew her final breath. Eleonora woke to check on her sister, only to find her cold. Her poor little arms were stiff at her side. Jeanne was buried in the small churchyard. The entire village turned out to support Eleonora and Eli in their grief. After that, Eleonora couldn't sleep. She refused to go to bed with Eli, choosing instead to sit up late into the night with a cup of tea and stare down the road for hours, waiting for her parents to come home. The Suttons never returned. <coughs> they knew the dangers when they set off that day. The roads leading to the town were full of stories of robbers. Eleonora had begged her mother to stay with her, but she knew a group of two would be safer than one. She had hugged her parents fiercely the morning she left, promising that they would take the promising them that she would take the best care of Jeanne. The afternoon before Jeanne died, Eleonora had been sitting in the small window at the front of the cabin. The biggest fear that she had ever felt had drifted through her. It wasn't until Jeanne passed that she knew something had happened to her parents. The drought had to be in other places. There had to be a panicked people everywhere. She knew that they would have taken them for their supplies. Eleonora kept her hope for five months after her parents left. She stood guard in the family's cabin, a hot tea in her hands, her eyes trained hard on the horizon, looking for them to crest the land. Nothing. Eleonora knew that without Eli, she would have never moved on. His sunny yellow aura brought her out of her darkness and kept him in the light, and in turn, he took comfort in his wife. Eli loved the way she looked in the early morning light, the soft rays making love to the contours of her cheekbones. Her smile held the, 
Her smile held the magic that made his heart flutter the same way it did when he first saw her. Then the hot, dry summer was upon them. The crops shriveled. Their cows died of thirst, but they continued to struggle forward. In October, Eleanor found she was with child, but before it even quickened, it was gone. Eleanor had thought it was a gift from the universe. I'm so sorry, that, body just, that noise just came out of my body. She had lost so much. As soon as she knew, she had crawled into Eli's arms and told him that she was absolutely sure it was a girl and that she would name her Rose, because roses were such a beautiful physical expression of love, just like their daughter would be. She was distraught and had spent several weeks in bed while Aunt Aggie tended to the household. Eli secretly believed it was for the best that they lost the child, instead of months later... Eli secretly believed it was for the best that they lost the child, then instead, months later, to starvation, as several of the village infants had. But he did not say it aloud. Eleonora had become fragile, a shell of her former self, though Aunt Aggie did her best to coax broth and what little cheeses she had down Eleanor's throats. She refused to eat. Eli was more afraid that he would lose her too. And then the stranger arrived. <laughs> that's all I'm giving you. That's all I'm giving you, my friends. I know. I'm so mean. That's just half the prologue. But I feel like it's juicy and it gets you excited for the book. Are you excited? Was that not romantic? It's weird to hear me talking like this and then hearing me talk about the sweet contours of her cheekbones. But that is what it is. I hope you guys like that. I don't know. Maybe do you want... Okay, here's what we're going to do. I need you to tell me. Either DM me on Instagram, on the YouTube video of this or anything. Let me know. What do you want for the next episode? Do you want the rest of the prologue? Are you tickled? Do you want it? Let me know if you want it. I think it'll be exciting. Anyways, I do want to say a huge thank you to all the followers and stuff who have reached out um, to express condolences about Max and Jax. Uh, it's really weird. It's really weird. My house is very quiet. My dogs are sad. Molly misses her big brother. It's, it's wild. It's really wild to go from four dogs to two dogs. You don't realize how much of their world they were max was really sick for about the last year of his life not put downable but just really annoying in his old age but we did everything we could um you know we had two bedrooms for him to sleep in he didn't really sleep well but he never really did in general his whole entire life but um i just i miss him i miss jacks and it, it just messes me up but i it's weird when you think about family because I, I look at my dogs as my family and they don't live forever and that takes you back into these moments of being sad that I can't have my own family but who knows what the future holds I hope that we can adopt do something like that because I needed someone like me when I was a kid so I don't say that I have an ego I just I don't know I think I see the world in a different way I hope you see it too thank you for tuning in to this episode of the haunted estate I hope you enjoyed it because I enjoy seeing you guys hearing you guys and you guys telling me your story Anyways, guys, my boo crew, my boo crew babies, I love you so much. I hope that you are having the best day. Please stay spooky. Stay true to you. And hey, if everything sucks, everything can change tomorrow. It did for me. It has bad and it has good. <laughs> but at the end of the day, things have a weird way of working themselves out. I love you guys. Stay true to you, boo. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. 
Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.